Imagine a world in which post-traumatic stress no longer robs from millions who suffer. You don't want to get help because you're embarrassed. You don't want to tell people the dark stuff that you've went through. That stigmatism of you can't talk to people it is so true. Post-traumatic stress is not a disorder. It's an injury that can be healed quickly so that those who suffer get back to thriving in their families, communities, and mission. And I said, I yeah. don't want to, I, I can't, I don't want to live this trauma again. Yeah. And he goes, yeah. you don't have to. Yeah. And I said, yeah. what? The experts, they forgot to tell me I can heal. I didn't know that I can get rid of PTSD. Each week, we tell a skeptical world what is possible with stories of those who have successfully cured their trauma. I just remember being able to stand by the water and look up at the sky and hear the noises, and I didn't think they were gunshots. I was like, those are Disney fireworks. I don't even know what to imagine for myself now, my future, because I have one. This is Life After PTSD. Well, I want to welcome everybody to another episode of Life After PTSD. My name is Jeff McLaughlin, and we are hosting here live in Orlando, Florida, and another episode telling some amazing stories. And today, we get to cover two worlds, the worlds that we cover most often on the show, talk about clinicians who have gotten a trauma-focused um, protocol, NLP, whatever, in their arsenal, and they're using it, and so it's shifted their practice. But also, we talk about clients that have gone through you know, things. I get both today. I get clinician and client. All right, so Chris Cavanaugh, welcome back. Thank You've you. You've been on the show before mm -hmm. and glad to have you back. I was making jokes off air that she's like, uh, she's got her, her veteran face now for podcasting <laughs> on here. She's like rocking this thing. And uh, Samantha, hi. Hi. How are you doing today? I'm great. How are you? Are you scared at all oh, of having a microphone in front of you? Don't be scared. <laughs> like, you should only be scared if you perceive that we know what we're doing. And since we don't, like, just relax. All right. This is going to be all good. All right. I promise you. Beautiful. Hey, tell us some things about you. How old are you? What do you do? What do you like to do? What do you not like to do? All that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I am 26 and mm -hmm. I'm a chiropractor. Cool. Yeah. So um, as far as what I like to do, I like to hang out with my dog. My church has become a huge part of my life. Cool. But, um, yeah. You don't make chiropractor jokes? Like, I like straightening people out and stuff like that. Like, you know. Um, yeah, let me think of a couple of my jokes. Uh, we got cracking necks and cash and checks is usually the, nice, that's nice, usually nice. the go-to. Yeah. <laughs> because I've had him on the show, Ben Rawl, who I uh, I do a show for him called Design, Design to Heal. I just give him a hard time about it all the time. And we know that you do so much more, okay? So just I'm, I'm, I'm messing with you. That's all. Probably not making a great first impression. Sorry. Hey, let's jump right into um, the trauma. You you were carrying some stuff, yeah. right? Life life had a lot more on the plate than you would have wanted. And I, I always want to, anytime we tell a story, right? These are my favorite episodes where we get into talking about not so much the trauma, but more so what, what life is now for you, mm -hmm. but to really do it justice, we really got to, you know, to know where you're going, you kind of have to know where you've been. I don't want to exploit this. I want you to know that we want you to feel comfortable sharing as little as much as you want to. Okay. But something happened. You were carrying some things. What do you want to tell us about it? Uh, yeah. So Chris and I were kind of talking about where, uh, to start this off because, uh, she put it so wonderfully as complex trauma. Um, so there's that means you're like an overachiever, right? And so oh, absolutely, <laughs> she is yeah. an overachiever. Yeah. <laughs> like I would like to shed that moniker, but sure, whatever. You know? Yeah, it's fine. Just embrace it. But um, yeah, so um, I guess really just the more recent stuff that's really kind of impacted my life. Um, I was in a relationship for about four years, and um, the last two of it, um, he and I ended up moving down here to Florida together, um, and it. Like, as soon as we moved down here, like, there was, like, a complete change in his behavior towards me. Um, he imposed a curfew. I wasn't allowed to go out um, after 8 o'clock. 
I wasn't allowed to interact with any of the males in our class, um, even some of the women who he he deemed to be uh, sluts. Um, I wasn't allowed to go out with, and his language towards me towards me had started changing as well. Um, he started calling me a whore or a slut, and I the kind of clothes that I was allowed to wear, um, it all changed, and um, it just his language became more and more aggressive, and it kind of came to a point where he started to uh, get violent, and I just wanted to leave. So the first time I tried to leave. He pulled his gun and locked himself in the bathroom, threatened to kill himself. So obviously I stayed because that's not something that I wanted for anybody. Um, But the next time I tried to leave, the gun went from being pointed at him to being pointed at me. And that happened two more occasions. And it kind of came to um, a point where we were going out for my birthday and he gave me permission to drink that night. So I was with my friends and we were drinking and he just started getting more angry and agitated through the night and... Uh, that night when we got home, I didn't feel safe, so I locked my door. We had separate rooms, um, but he broke the lock on my door and assaulted me. And the next six weeks, I just remember that I f- heavily fell into alcohol. And um, at the end of that, I started feeling extremely unwell. And as it turned out, I was pregnant. Um, so I hadn't talked to him about it yet. I came up with a plan to drop out of school, move home with my family, have him sign away parental rights, all of it. So when I came to him with this, he absolutely, he just shut it down. He told me that I couldn't damage his reputation that way. And so again, threatening my life, um, he told me that I had to take care of it. So I drove out to Planned Parenthood and I got all the pills and everything that I needed and drove back home. And again, I asked him to not make me go through with this. And um, that didn't work. (laughs) You can pretend to be shocked. But um, Yeah, so then after he made sure I took all the pills the right way, he booked a flight home and was just like, I'll be back in a week. Like, you deal with this. Um, My world just completely shattered because that's just something that was just in such a violation of anything that I would have ever dreamed that I wanted to do. Um, And the next couple months, I just kind of had just a really tough time of everything, and I just shut off all emotion. And it got to a point where the next time I tried to stand up to him and he held a gun at my face I just walked into it and told him to pull the trigger um that kind of shook him out of whatever had happened when we first moved down here but um I ended up moving my friends plus my friends at this point um Mm -hmm. they uh distracted him while he was out one day and got in just grabbed a bunch of my stuff and my dog love my dog and uh, got me out in under two hours. It was very impressive. Nice, One of my yeah. friends was in my room just grabbing stuff, throwing it in suitcases. And I was like, I don't even know if this is mine. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, my friends were instrumental to getting me out of there. And um, he ended up kind of stalking and harassing for the next couple of months. And I just had so much stuff in text messages and everything just backlogged. I kind of sent them all to him and was like, these are going to the cops if you don't leave me alone. And... That was pretty much the end of it um, for my interactions with him. As far as the repercussions, I just emotionally, everything was off. Yeah. Um, I didn't trust people. I didn't let people um, close to me. I kind of uh, just started engaging behaviors I otherwise wouldn't have. And um, it became really difficult. And then uh, moved out to Central Florida kind of on my own after I graduated and um one of the assistants in the office was like, hey, come to church with me. Never went to a church in my life. Um, 
was kind of like, eh, you know, if I walk into a church, I'll catch on fire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was kind of <laughs> my belief of myself at that point. I just had so much shame and guilt and just didn't, I, nobody came to my house. I didn't let anybody in my space or close to me. And um, less than a year later, um, well, I got baptized, I think, three weeks ago now. And uh, yeah, it's been complete change, just my life. So Awesome. So tell me how you and Chris met. Where did that come into play? Yeah. So um, my assistant, bless her, she had a lot to put up with with me right out, right out the gate. But um, sure. she appointed me to her, the pastor at her church who does counseling. Mm-hmm. So I was working with him for a couple months and it kind of got to a point where he was like, hey, let me kind of send you to someone who might be able to help you a little bit more than I can. And mm-hmm. so that's when I met Chris. Did the pastor know that you were trauma trained and all that stuff? Yes. Yes. Okay. So we went to school together. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. All right. I love this. I love this because there are times, many times, if you can believe this, where there's a great divide between those two worlds for whatever reason. And I, I love knowing that there are pastors out there, clinicians out there that are, you know, that are in touch with each other, that are talking mm-hmm. and that are not um, mortal enemies or whatever, but recognize they both have a role to play in somebody's healing and you know, that's awesome. So, so you get her, tell me first impression. The first time she walks in, what do you remember about that day? Oh, well, she's bright. She's articulate, mm-hmm. um, uses humor as a coping mechanism <laughs> and that's kept her safe. She cracked you up. She cracked me up. And, but I also, I, <laughs> but thanks guys. I'll be here chat. all week. You know, yes. yeah. excellent chiropractor joke. I love yes. it. <laughs> But when she started to tell me her story, she told me in a way where there wasn't a whole lot of emotion connected to it. Yeah. And I went, hmm, something's, something's here. Yeah. And I think at one point you said, I don't cry about this. Like, no. I just don't, I don't cry. Yeah. Period. At, at all. Yeah. yeah. It's like turn the faucet off like permanently. Mm-hmm. And so, you knew that was an issue. You knew that was not, that was abnormal for you compared to, you know, life normally. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I'm a big old baby. I cried everything. <laughs> okay. I didn't for a little while, but okay. yeah, for the most part. So, so if you find out like Frozen 3 is coming out, are you going to cry? You promise? Uh, well, okay. I don't know. About, I don't know if I'm ready to deal with that quite yet. Some kind of tears. Joy? I don't know. Probably not. More so oh you know, I horror. Sat, I, I sat and cried the entire half of Frozen 2. It's it's fine. I was trying to make a joke on that. I don't know. I really, we you tapped touched, in. You are you having a moment face. here? That's us. Samantha, come on. I'm extremely emotional. Um. I'll tell you what. Maybe we'll turn this show into some karaoke at the end. We'll do, uh, we'll, we'll play those unfamiliar hits from Frozen that nobody has heard yes. before. You know, I'm on board. <laughs> That's great. So, so she knows something's off there. She says to right. you, I don't cry. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And what's your next step? What are you thinking well, at that point? I was like, I think I can help. I've yeah. got this thing and it sounds really crazy, but if you will let me be a little crazy with you and we, we, I think I actually said that too. And you're oh. like, I'm up for crazy. Oh, absolutely. I'm a chiropractor. Of course yeah. I'm up for yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, we did the protocol and you cried. I did. Yeah. Yeah, a lot. And it was good. And it was good. And it was healing. And I could tell from the first time we did the protocol to the third time of protocol, um, I could see on her face such a difference. Yeah. Her eyes were brighter. Her skin was brighter. Mm -hmm. You know, like just her whole countenance changed. And the things that she was telling me that that she was dreaming about now Mm -hmm. really are life-changing for you. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah, it was super funny because, again, like the whole emotional thing didn't really connect. Um, I was sitting in church a week after we had, or the Sunday after we had done the first um, treatment, and 
I like remember I was sitting in church and I was kind of like, mm, is this like heartburn? Like kind of what's going on? And it was just kind of like that overwhelming sense of emotion. I was like, oh, I'm feeling. I felt like the Grinch. And is it was this like heartburn. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Yeah, it's yeah. It was a time. So I went and talked to my pastor and I was like, hey. So I think I'm having these today. feelings. What kind of feelings, Samantha? Um, I think that's joy, maybe. Like I don't know. I was kind of smiling. Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, happiness. That's normal. <laughs> That is, yeah. So that was, yeah. It was, it was weird and awesome. And when you, um, actually, I have another question for you, Samantha. I just, I have to know this. <laughs> she starts setting up the protocol for you. Yeah. What are you thinking at that point? All right. You've got some medical training. You've got some. You know. You, yeah. You're, you're clued into some of the stuff that's out there. Are you thinking like, I hope the fire alarm goes off so I can get out of this place because this is crazy? <laughs> or are you like, wow, this is cool. Like, what, what were you thinking? Oh my gosh, I was totally on board. I, like at this point in my life, I'm like, whatever works. But um, <laughs> uh, you can put me in a movie theater. You can put me wherever. I don't care. You know, it's yeah, all good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It, I mean, so like with chiropractic, that it's, mm-hmm. there's a lot of stuff that's like a lot of people. It kind of takes a little bit of faith to kind of totally get into. And so that's kind of mm-hmm. what she was asking me to do. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. She was very brave. A non-resistant client, mm-hmm. yes? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. What's that like? Cool, yeah. <laughs> Not yeah, only seriously. non-resistant, but like willing to jump into the deep end. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so so tell me this. The the traumas, the traumas mm-hmm. there were traumas, right? Mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It was a complex, okay. <laughs> As I understand it, though, you guys have only worked on that one thing, but you're still seeing relief across the board in your life. Is oh. that accurate? Oh, absolutely. Does yeah. that mess with you? Um, yeah, a little bit. It's like yeah. unresolved stuff from even when I was a kid. It's just mm-hmm. like, I was telling her in the room, it's like, my life is the same, but it's different, mm-hmm. but it's better. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's not like anything's really changed, but just my feelings towards things and my ability to kind of adapt to things as they come mm-hmm. has just grown exponentially. So some people are, some people are put off when, when the words like cleared, mm. you know, cleared of trauma or something like that. Yeah. Now, having been through what you've experienced, does that phrase bother you? Would you use something else? Like, how would you describe what Um, you've gone through? I don't know. That's tricky. I don't know if you can ever really be cleared of it, but you can really just kind of, for lack of a better way to phrase it, you can just respond to it in a way that isn't detrimental. It doesn't hold the same power over you. Okay. Still there is just separate. Yeah. What are your thoughts, Chris, too, on that clear of trauma idea? How would you say that? Would you say it better? Would you say it differently? What? Well, you know, clear to some people might mean it didn't happen. And we cannot deny the fact that it happened. Correct. Correct. And we just, we're going to respond to it differently. Yeah. And we're going to choose not to live in the place of the trauma. And with that fear, terror, helplessness, and all the negativity Mm -hmm. that comes with a, a PTS diagnosis. And so clear, yeah, I can see where people would fight against that word. Yeah. 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 And I'm with you. We're not removing memories. I, I, right. I honestly, you know, I, I hate to, I would hesitate to say this into somebody in front of somebody that struggled, even if we could, to me, that's playing God. I, yeah, I you know, it's and very I, cavalier. It, it is. And, mm-hmm. and I feel like, you know, when you've gone through something that still is a part of, of who you are in some degree. So when we talk about clearing, we're not even, we're not, it's, we're not clearing, you're not removing a memory. Right. Just letting the traumatic emotions attached to that memory just kind of fall away. Right. So that you're able to tell your story now. You weren't able to do that the first time, were you, when you came in and you talked with her, at least not without crazy adverse <laughs> reaction. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. Isn't that cool. All right. So let's do this. Um, ladies, let's take a break. We're going to reset some things. We've got some more questions for you, Samantha, when we come back after the break. So you're listening to Life After PTSD. 
Hey, Life After PTSD listeners. We're glad that you love other stories of healing, but what about you? First Orlando Counseling is the premier trauma therapy center in Central Florida with a full staff of trained clinicians ready to help you clear your trauma without re-traumatization. Childhood abuse, relationship abuse, a traumatic car accident, birth trauma, first responder or military trauma, even phobias. You don't have to live like this. It's time for you to heal. Schedule a consultation today by visiting firstorlandocounseling.com or call 407-514-4470. It's that easy. Here we are back with Life After PTSD, having a great conversation with Samantha and with Chris. And Chris, I'm just gonna jump right back in right here. Did um, So you you were fortunate enough to be in the care of a pastor who who referred you on to do some work with Chris, right? Um, were there any other friends in your life? Did you ever have like any resistance to counseling beforehand? Like maybe somebody said, you need to go work on that. And you're like, no, that's not, you know, any of that going on at all before you finally got help? Mm, not really. My parents got divorced when I was super young. So I've been in counseling pretty much my whole okay. life. So cool. cool. <laughs> yeah, it's great. <laughs> all right. Just, yeah, you know, I'm just curious because there's always, uh, you know, what we find is, is so many times people are living with trauma, carrying trauma. Mm-hmm but trauma is somebody else's problem. And it's not that they're necessarily avoiding working on it. It's, it's just, I don't think they give themselves permission to really put the mirror in front of their face and go, wow, this may be me, mm-hmm. right? They've kind of, and, and so what they effectively do is they've, they've accepted this new normal. We, we say when we end the show, there's a, like a trailer to end the show that kind of talks about now imagine the new normal that you get to decide, right? That's different than a new normal that was decided for you as a result of what you went through. And I think a lot of people live in that new normal that was decided for them and they don't do anything about healing a, because they don't know it's possible for starters. Um, you know, but B that, you know, it's, I'm not the victim here. Somebody else has gone through things and they, you know, whether it's false humility or whatever, sort of take this, you know, I, I I'm not worthy of, I don't know, whatever. I, I can't, I won't speak for the attitude. I won't speak for the sentiment. So that's why I was, I always ask that question there. Um, by the way, do you see that ever? Do you have ever people that kind of you, you get and they were, resistant to come in and work with you in the first place because they really didn't have trauma and it was somebody else's problem or what do you see Chris uh I would say that's a yes and a no um a lot of times the people that I see mm-hmm. are the people living with the people who don't think they need to have their trauma cleared mm-hmm. and so there's collateral damage which creates yep. its own trauma and yep. generational damage because yep. now we're talking spouses and children and that all has to be dealt with. Yep. And can be dealt with. Right? And can be dealt with. Absolutely. Um, Samantha, you've got uh, a new normal of your deciding now, effectively. What is that new normal? Um, right? gosh. What are you looking forward to? Like now that you're, you're, you're able to relate to this memory in a, you know, in a non-traumatized way, what's next for you? Uh, yeah, it, it's kind of exciting. I just have spent the last couple of years like, mm, I don't think like marriage or a family is for me. Mm-hmm. Um, just the shame and guilt and everything that yeah. I carried for so long, it just kind of threw all that out the window. <laughs> um, but like I told Chris during one of our sessions, like one of, or at the last session, I think that I had like a super vivid dream about like my wedding and I like was like, mm, this is weird. I don't know how I feel about it. <laughs> But it's just the fact that like even having those like dreams and just not being so vehemently opposed to it like I was before, I just like that's kind of exciting because that's just a direction that I just thought, all right, not for me, move on, just deal with it, have a lot of dogs, 
whatever. <laughs> uh, there's probably less to manage with a lot of dogs and no husband, but you know, <laughs> but you still miss out on some things in defense of our good husbands <laughs> out there, I hope. And I know that I know that you have one of them. We got Shannon Rawls sitting in the room here, just hanging out from from previous episodes. Like you know, anyways, I know your I know your guy's a good guy, right? Because we talk about him all the time. Too. Guy. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, that's great. Sorry, I got to throw the guys a bone every once in a while. No pun intended, by the way. Um, anyways, <laughs> sorry. These I, don't are great. Is, I don't know where this is going. Like this. Is, all right. So so here's a here's another one for you. Um, what are you gonna say? There's uh, you're not the only one out there that unfortunately has gone through something like this. And the unfortunate reality of, of life is you're not the only person that ever will go through something like this again, mm. probably through some degree, maybe multiple degrees of separation. We are that person. We know that person that was in a situation like yours. What, what would you say to the person who is that person or those who know that maybe they're on the outside looking in and they can see it's, it's all the friends that can see how uh, toxic this relationship is or whatever. And they don't know what to do. They don't know where to, to start. Can you speak to that at all? like from the unique position and the perspective that you have? Um, yeah, so my family actually, uh, when I first started dating this guy, immediately were like, there's something that we just don't like. And I was younger and was like, you don't know what you're talking about. And, you know, in retrospect, um, hindsight's twenty twenty. Sure. But um, I just, and I noticed this with my friends too, because um, I didn't even notice it until I got to graduate school, but I didn't talk to almost any of my friends that I had made in undergrad after I left. And I didn't realize that he was isolating me from those people. And even after I realized it and tried to reach out, those people were kind of like, huh, well, you chose him over us. And I would just kind of encourage uh, the people who see those toxic relationships to not be so quick to turn your back because you really don't understand what's going on. You might see it as they're choosing someone over you, but the other half of that relationship might not be giving them a choice. And they might not even be realizing it um, for whatever reason. But then to the people who are in those situations is don't let your shame and your guilt kind of keep you from talking to people. Like it's, I think that everyone could benefit from counseling um, even because we just are so blind to certain things within our own lives because of our own past experiences and biases that sometimes we can't see things that are right in front of our faces um, but just really try to value yourself and understand what it is that you deserve from the world. And if you feel like something's not right, listen to that. Um, there's a reason that you keep feeling some, some kind of anxiety or trepidation about things. Trust your gut, huh? Absolutely. Um, the expression is love is blind, I think, right? Yes. Heard this before. Mm-hmm. And... I always find it interesting, just some background. I do some marriage work and I, I hear that sometimes and I, I just, you know, and then, and then I guess the blinders come off and people are going, yeah, but you don't understand. Like he's changed. She's changed. I'm going, oh, no, I think it's just the blinders came off mm-hmm. and you finally yeah. saw for the first time mm-hmm. what's really, what's really been there. I love your point though, about the encouragement to friends mm-hmm. and friends, friends stick with you even even when, you know, on paper, they probably shouldn't, you know, so on and so forth. And and that's, that's where the true test of friendship, I really think, you know, comes in, doesn't it? Right. You know, it's, it's so amazing just to see, yeah, the, the whole story is incredible. Tell me one more thing before we close today, because I think maybe this would help not only the victims, but even maybe the friends and the family. What was the specific moment, if there was one, where you realized whoa, I got to get out of this thing. This thing is really like, I, you finally, had, maybe your blinders came off at that point. Do you remember what that was and what triggered the blinders coming off? 
Uh, yeah, I definitely was just kind of like pushing stuff aside, like, oh, he's just having a bad day or, yep. oh, mm-hmm. it's just like this going on. But it was really, I went out, um, it was like my second month, I think that we had moved to Florida, but I went yeah. out, um, to a little wine bar that I could literally walk to from our place. I went out at five and I was going to be home at eight and I got there and she was like, why are you leaving? I was like, I have to get home. She grabbed my phone. She texted him. He called like me repeatedly called her husband repeatedly, like just really upset with what was going on. And she looked at me she put my phone down and she kept her hand over my phone. And she was like, you are not safe with this guy. And I was like, oh, it's fine. He's just like in a bad mood. I, I realized what I, like what I was saying mm-hmm. versus what was happening. And like, it was her taking the time to just kind of show me exactly like how I guess, bad of a situation it was. Chris, why does the brain build up these kind of constructs? Like, can you speak to maybe somebody listening out there, like the psychology of this? Like, you know, the constructs that have to be built in in Samantha's mind to be able to continue to go back to that environment right there. Because I don't think people understand that that's a real thing. That's a real, that was a reality for her. It it is a reality. And, and, you know, I'm sure there's some fancy psychological words for it, but it really comes down to doubling down. Because when we're in relationship with somebody... And they love me. I love them. And maybe this name, things aren't perfect, but I made this choice. So I got to stay in this choice. And if it starts to go bad, but I still made a choice. And if it gets worse, but I still made a choice. Mm-hmm. And you have to double down. And you get in the middle of the trauma. And when you're in the middle of a trauma, you don't have, you don't have clarity. I tell people, if you put your hand in front of your face, what do you see? You see nothing but your hand, and you have to look to the side to see clarity. And so when somebody like your friend was able to move your hand away from your face for a moment, you went, oh, wait a second, something's not right. And when she was able to do that, and when you were able to get away, and when you were able to sit with me and and work on this trauma, you gave yourself your dignity back. Because that's what was taken away is your dignity. Mm-hmm. And like nobody ever has the right to take away somebody's dignity. Mm-hmm. And that's what this protocol will do when it comes to shame. Not just I was in a car crash or, you know, military. But it can take away the shame too. And that's yeah. really, really important. If I didn't want you to break my microphone, I'd let you drop it right now. Okay? <laughs> Boom. <laughs> How do they find you, Chris? Somebody wants to get connected with you and do some work with you. How would they best find you? Um, my practice is in Winter Springs, cool. and you can go to fivestonescounseling.com, five as in F-I-V-E, mm-hmm. and I would love to talk to you. Very, very cool. Samantha, thanks for sharing your story. I, I tell you, the, the episodes where we've had, like, where it's been domestic violence and abuse and things like that always get the most hits, and I, I tell you why is because somebody hears it and, it and unfortunately it's been a lot of times it's been a woman talking about this stuff and they mm-hmm. share it and they share it because they know it's just amazing I'm, I'm the interconnectedness of people that go through that struggle is so powerful so I have no doubt in my mind that this episode is going to do the same thing and it's going to be a source of of hope and a source of inspiration to a lot of people and you had a uh, it was a great step of courage for you to be able to do mm-hmm. this so thank you Appreciate you doing that. Um, to the listeners out there, connect with us on social media. You know how to find us. Uh, as always, we just ask that you would just share this episode. Always click subscribe so you know when new things are dropped. We drop an episode every single Monday. We will catch you next week on Life After PTSD. We're so grateful that you listened to the show today. 
Now imagine a new normal you get to decide with all its possibilities once you are free of PTSD, because that is what is possible. You're here, which means you're ready, but listening alone will not heal you or those you know who are suffering. Join us on the mission to eradicate PTSD by reaching out to lifeafterptsd.org or in Canada, lifeafterptsd.ca, or by sharing this message of hope with someone you know.